You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. We're the business development resource for group practice owners, where we talk candidly about business ownership and leadership. From practice building tips to live coaching to real talk episodes with other group practice owners, we're the resource you've been looking for to help you grow your group practice. I'm your host, group practice owner and entrepreneur, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is an online EHR, practice management, and billing software designed for mental health professionals. Therapy Notes has everything you need to manage patient records, schedule appointments, create rich documentation, and bill insurance right at your fingertips. They offer free and unlimited live support seven days a week. Their streamlined software is accessible wherever and whenever you need it. To get two free months, go to www.therapynotes.com forward slash r forward slash the group practice exchange. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting, an accounting firm that works specifically with private practices. They do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting to bookkeeping and payroll to building your dashboard. On top of that, they can help you set up your profit first systems. Go to greenoakaccounting.com and mention the Group Practice Exchange for $100 off your first month. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Today's episode is a coaching episode, and I've got Christine Barker on with me. Um, Hey, Christine. Hi. (laughs) Um, We were talking before recording, and I realized she lives in a suburb not too far away from me, so I always love when I get to talk to someone who's from my state. I'm so used to talking with people that are just in California and Texas and New York. And it's um, always really nice when I have someone that's in my neighborhood. Yeah, we're neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And you're, you're in, in, in the neighborhood that I like love her practices. Um, is it inner courage, inner courage counseling? Yeah. Inner yeah. courage counseling. Yep. Yeah. In Naperville. So Naperville is one of my favorite neighborhoods. Um, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about delegating and it's something that you had um, filled out in the coaching application, which was pre-COVID, barely pre-COVID, um, but it's still something that um, you're wanting to talk about. So I'm sure the questions around delegating m- may have changed now that we're you know in this teletherapy world. So let's just hop in and and, and ask any questions you have around delegating, and uh, we'll see we'll see how I can help. Sure, thank you. Um, yeah, so pre-COVID. Um, we were getting, we're coming up on our year anniversary. And so we have five clinicians total, including myself and the other co-owner. And, um, we were all kind of getting really full. And so we hired a new clinician, which was our fifth one. And, but a lot of the, the responsibility, like the billing referrals, phone calls, emails, shopping needs, cleaning, you know, marketing, all of the things, um, we were splitting up between me and Brittany Roback, who's my co-owner. Um, and that was getting really overwhelming with, you know, seeing 30 clients a week <laughs> and yeah. running a business and doing yeah. all of those things. Um, and then, so we decided we wanted to, you know, kind of make a move somewhere. And that's where I reached out to you and said, you know, let's, if I could talk to you about that, that would be great. Um, and then COVID hit. So that was a big shift. So we all went to telehealth and, we decided to hold off on hiring anybody or making any of those decisions because we took a little bit of a hit on referrals. Um, so we didn't know, you know, affordability wise, 
you know, what this was going to do, especially with insurance companies, like, Mm -hmm. you know, that question mark of payments and things like that. I was too nervous to, you know, hire someone or make a decision about that. But now that we've kind of been in this world for a little bit, um, you know, things are picking back up. We're getting, you know, referrals, people coming back that left and new ones coming in. I think people are getting more comfortable with it. So now I'm kind of back on the, okay, this is getting really busy again. (laughs) I need some help. (laughs) I, you know, what's interesting is one of the things I've learned looking back on my own journey of delegating things is um, realizing that I, I was always delegating in response to something. um, And I found that just specific to me and, and maybe you can relate um, but when I delegated in response to being really busy in a particular area where I was like, I want someone to take this, what I ended up doing was not doing very good at ensuring that what I was handing off, that I was handing enough things off. So I feel, felt like what I, what I was doing initially was I didn't want to answer phones anymore. Phones was, I've talked about this before, was something that was a weird feeling for me because, you know, you would initially, when when you first start your group practice, you get excited every time the phone rings because it's like, yes, I might be able to refer someone to my new therapist. And so there's like this positive feeling every time the phone rings, but I would have the mix of like feeling excited and also dreading it because usually the phone calls would happen when I was driving in my car on the way to Target or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, not in the office or not in front of a computer where I'd be like, no, like, why are you calling now? I don't want you to call right now because now you're going to go to voicemail and I have to either pull over or whatever. So the phones was the first thing that I'd given, given away. And I remember, um, you know, every step of the way for a really long time, I would find a problem, something that I did not want to do. Right. And then I would find a person to delegate it to. And so what I see, what I see happening, my, my thing was, is I delegated a task at a time. And then very quickly, another task would just take over. And then I would be like, I need to delegate that thing now too. And so I noticed for me that it took a lot of years for me to realize that I needed not to look at individual tasks to, d- to delegate, to actually look at my bigger picture of the work that I do and kind of organize the different things that I do into like categories so that I could hire one or two part-time or full-time people that could do a variety of tasks, even if some of those other tasks aren't yet issues for me. Um, Because like I said, I found that I would want to give things away as they became problems. And sometimes the different tasks were not under, like one person couldn't do them either because it wasn't a strength of theirs to do, you know, phones and uh, calling clients to get uh, new credit cards, right? And so mm-hmm. what I found was I was having to either hire different people because I would be like, okay, now I want to, I need to get rid of this second thing. And then, you know, the initial person that I had, that wasn't a strength of theirs. And obviously, as we know, we don't want to hand off tasks that don't match the strength of the person. I, and so what I found was for me, and I think this is a good suggestion for anyone who's thinking about hiring someone to delegate things to is to not look at just what's right in front of your nose as what you want to delegate, but to really write down what are all the hats you wear? What are all the, from big tasks to small tasks, what are the things that you're doing? 
um, and start to cat- lump them into uh, similar categories. So, you know, it, you might find that under administrative, you have a whole lot of tasks that you can actually hand off, even though some of them were things that weren't feeling like issues to you, right? Because mm-hmm. we, as we know, the more our group practices grow, the more we want to delegate. Um, and like I said in the beginning is I tended to be this person that was res- like, I found people in response to a problem that I would have of wanting to delegate. And I think being proactive in, in this area, people don't talk about proactivity when it comes to delegating. I think most people look at it as, okay, you're having a problem and you need to delegate. Now it's time to delegate it. But I would suggest, you know, I know you're thinking about delegating. So there's clearly an area, at least one area that you are thinking about uh, handing off. My first suggestion would be to think about what are some of the other tasks that you're doing? Because every person, and if you go into the my Facebook group, you'll see this all the time. There's not one person that is answered differently to this, but every person has said, once I hired my admin or my VA or in-house, out-of-house, doesn't even matter. Um, but I, I very quickly had a positive return on investment. Like I really quickly, you know, cause people get nervous about spending in this area, um, rightfully so, cause they feel like, well, I'm doing it. So it costs no money which is a whole nother podcast mm-hmm. episode to talk about because <laughs> it is <laughs> yeah. costing money. It's just, you're not viewing yourself as someone that should be being paid for the thing. But, um, so a lot of people get nervous about it, but literally every person that has ever brought on someone that they, that they feel is a good fit first has said that it's a good return on investment and that it actually helped boost, um, profits or sales. Um, so long story short, I would. Yeah. And off. we're kind of, yep. Go ahead. No, I would say, yeah, that's kind of where I think I've seen that because <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at the hours that I'm spending doing a lot of these things and how draining it is to do these things. And then like looking at, you know, it takes so much to do all of this stuff, so much in it and thinking, and then, you know, you're organizing and doing all these things that it's taking away from other things. Um, that I think could make a big difference just in our practice. And I, yeah, I, we're kind of leaning towards like a, a person, an admin assistant person in person. Yeah. Um, but we were kind of, you know, flirting with the idea of a virtual assistant at one time. I just yeah. didn't know how that worked and how other people's experiences with that were. Um, I have, I have a VA for the group practice exchange and she does some odds and odds and ends stuff for my group practice as well. Um, Uriah is a good person to, to ask as well. Uriah Guilford, he has, um, the productive therapist, uh, business and he's a group practice owner. He's also in our membership site. So you can always talk to him in there too, but he's like the VA, uh, guru. Um, (laughs) one of the things that I have always said was with regards to in-house or, uh, having a virtual assistant, if, if you end up having, for me, I found because VAs cost more than having someone in-house. You can have someone in-house and potentially pay, you know, $15 or $20 an hour to have someone in-house, but VAs will sometimes cost upwards of $45 to $65 um, for an hour. And there's a whole slew of reasons I, I can um, um, send you. Uriah wrote a really good article about why they cost more and it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I don't want to go into too much detail about it, but it's just one, it's a separate business Two, 
you know, in-house people, you have to pay for all the time that they're working and sitting in the office, even when the phone's not ringing. Whereas mm. with a virtual assistant, they're really tracking their own hours. So, and they're typically working with a lot of different businesses. So they'll be sitting and working um, for all a bunch of different businesses. And if your phone is not ringing, um, even though they're there and available to pick up your phone, if it does ring, you're not necessarily being charged for any of that time while you're, while the phone's not ringing. So it's kind of a, it's a really positive for having a VA, but I found that, um, I realized it was time to have an in-house person when I had about 20 hours of work per week that I could delegate. Um, for me, that hmm. felt like that where the scale sort of tipped and it became financially better for me to have someone in person. Cause you know, essentially you could have a full-time in house person at the same cost typically as a part-time VA because they typically cost, you know, two to three times as much as a, as a in-house person. And so once I got to, you know, having around 20 hours worth of work for them to do, it um, typically was the time for me where I would realize it's time for me to have someone in-house doing this and I could pay the same amount and they'd be working full-time, you know, at 20 or $25 an hour. Um, and then obviously you have the ability to, to hand off even more tasks. So that was, that's kind of my, um, my scale of how I see when it's time to move, to move over to in-person or in-house. Um, but I'll post, I'll send it, I'll send this to you, but I'll also post it in the show notes. Um, Uriah's blog article that he wrote, cause it's a really good, a really good one with regards to just the cost differences between a VA and in-house. Um, cause I think that's a, it's a good consideration to have when thinking about it, not just kind of the hours that you need them to work, but also factoring in pay. Um, but that's kind of, that's how I start things with regards to thinking about having in-house. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Cause there's definitely a lot of benefit to having a VA. You don't have to do any training. Typically VAs know how to do what they're doing in-house people. Um, if you, if you, you know, a lot of people hire, an in-house person who maybe has a minimal amount of experience in mental health private practice. But if you find a VA, um, especially there's a ton that are businesses, VA businesses out there that are specific to group mental health group practices. You have to do no training. So you're saving all of that time, your time, your money, um, and can essentially hand things off pretty much seamlessly and right away. So another pro to a VA is that. Um, but again, I, I get to a point you know, around that 20 hour mark where I think I'd rather spend time training that person. Um, because at the end of the day, the cost is, is more, it works better for me to have them in house at that point. Yeah. That was another question that I was, that I had too, was, you know, kind of an experienced person versus someone that doesn't have a lot of experience and, you know, being able to sort of mold them and, and teach them the way that you want them to do things. Um, and is that a benefit? You know, I'm sure that's like a per, you know, different per person, but that, cause that would take a lot of time to train. Yeah. I think it, that question is, I am okay with administratively hiring people who don't have experience because I think one, I like to give opportunities to people who um, want to, to shift industries. Um, but two, I do like the idea of really training someone around the processes that I have. 
Um, I do, when I look for people, I don't, I won't necessarily bring on someone who is just new to administrative, the administrative world altogether. I like people who have had past experience. Um, I find that they bring in a flavor that we don't have and they bring in ideas and thoughts and, um, you know, I just, they bring in ideas that I might not necessarily be thinking about because they have worked in maybe a different industry. Like I had had someone who I love and she, um, never worked in mental health, but she worked in administratively in like in the automotive trucking sort of industry. And I find that she sees the world in such a different way because I'm so immersed in the mental health world, even with when it comes to administrative stuff that um, she so often comes up with an idea that I am not thinking about. And she, and she'll be like, well, when I worked, you know, at blah, 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 you know, the way that the um, truck company owners were, were doing this, you know, somehow benefited X, you know, and it's really yeah. interesting. I find I'm not, I think this is really a personality thing and, and time factor when it comes to hiring someone, whether you should hire someone that's new to admin or new to mental health admin or not. Um, if you don't have the time, you should hire, you should have a VA and hire, uh, bring a VA on who knows how to work with the mental health um, group practice community because one of the biggest like struggles that I see and, and I, I feel bad for the group practice owner, but I also feel bad for the admin is when the group practice owner doesn't have the appropriate amount of time, which for me, when, when we bring on a new admin, I clear my calendar of group practice exchange of all my urban wellness work of my conference work for one full week, a full 40 hours. I'm sitting with them literally and working with them and training them. Um, and then in the <laughs> second week, I'm there half time. So two for two weeks, I I'm pretty much out for the count. One one full week on any other work. The second week, I'm coming back in, you know, part time, being able to get back into the group practice exchange and other things um, while sitting next to them for at least twenty hours. If if you feel like you can't invest that amount of time, at least that amount of time, then a VA might be the best bet until you have that time because they obviously don't need as much handholding. Um, but like I said, people who feel like, you know, I, I see so many that say they have the time and then get frustrated or resentful because the person isn't doing what they want. And they say they spent a good amount of time with that person. But when I dig a little deeper, it's really that they were kind of in the office, you know, mm. while they were there, but mm-hmm. not sitting with them. Um, and that they trained them for a couple of hours initially or sat with them for one or two hours um, each day and then kind of you know, let them have the reins for the last six hours of the day, or they thought because I, they explained it once that it was going to sear into their brains and never be forgotten. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I feel like, like I said, it's really going to be dependent on on the time investment that you can make. And for me, I'm willing to make that time investment to have someone who's just a part of the family um, and and who's invested in in, in my business. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a good perspective. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so who, what are you looking for, for delegating? Um, oh, I have the list. Oh, <laughs> let's hear the list. Well, phone, definitely yeah. phone, email responses, um, re- referrals that we need, you know, that I spend a lot of time doing that myself. Kind of like you were saying, like someone calls, you got to pull over, you got to stop what you're doing, you know, and those yeah. phone calls can take 20, 30 minutes. Yep. Um, billing. I do billing myself. <gasps> 
I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like the number one thing I want to get off my plate. I'm like, oh, I need to stop doing this. But um, like you said, it was like, oh, well, I could do it for free. So right. why would I pay somebody? But it's getting to be where it's like taking up so much time right now. And um, so I didn't know if, if that was like, do you have somebody that does just billing? Is that like a separate category? Yeah, I, I find that okay. billing needs to be its own category. Um, there are some VA companies that kind of blend those because they are mental health administrative companies that work specifically with group practices. So they're, if you're looking for outsourcing, you know, there's definitely a couple of businesses out there that are specifically to group practice owners and they, they have, you know, enough staff on their team that can do phones and billing. So you potentially could, you know, hire one company to do all of that. Um, But I, I find that those are two very different beasts and they take two very different skill types. Um, and um, it would, it's, it's typically pretty hard to find someone that can do both of those things. The other thing I'll say is, and, and I, I get that I'm a large practice. So I have a lot of people, I have one that answers the phones, one that does um, billing, one that does benefit checks. And these are all full-time people. One that does, over just overseeing those two people, the billing and the benefit checks person. And she also does payroll. And then one administrative assistant who's our person that's sort of shifting into client care um, where she sends out the surveys. She makes sure that the client files are, um, you know, that the telehealth forms are filled out in there. And, you know, cause clinicians don't always make sure to have things signed the way they're supposed to. So she checks on that kind of stuff. So I have a lot of people, um, I did that because what I found was once I delegated, it felt really good. But then anytime that person was sick, anytime we had to let that person go, or anytime that person left and and found another job, that task fell back on me or my clinical director. And so I decided to have a, a team in place. And so I'm saying this knowing that I'm a larger practice and it is easier to do this. Um, but I have each person knows how to do a couple other roles aside from their main role. So if someone's on vacation, so my admin assistant knows how to do phones. If my phone person leaves, my admin assistant can pick up the Slack and do the phone. So it does not have to fall Mm -hmm. back on me. My benefits person and my billing person both know how to do each other's job. My billing person knows how to check benefits. My benefits person knows how to um, submit claims if my billing person is gone. So we've, we've made sure that there's, um, it's in McAllowitz's book, Mike McAllowitz's book, Clockwork. Um, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, what's he call it? Like a linchpin. It's where there's like a bottleneck in, in your process where things can slow down if there's not a, if a key person is gone. And so I worked, you know, last year really hard at putting something together. So knowing that I, I know my practice is larger so I can have more of that, but that's something to think about too, you know, with a VA if one VA is, is on vacation, typically a VA company has a different person that comes in and does that work for them. So definitely is another benefit to having a VA is if this one that works with you is on vacation or sick or gone, the company likely has uh, backup people so that it doesn't have to fall back on you. If you decide to have in-person, I would look at maybe potentially, um, initially at least, having a couple of part-time people versus, let's say, one full-time person. So that both people can learn the jobs together and know how to, and and each person can have a different role, but they learn each other's role so that if one is gone, sick, on vacation, leaves, the other person can pick up that slack. So that was a a thing that I 
you know, recognized and felt pretty strongly um, after hiring and, and just had one person went off, went off, uh, finished grad school. She was a VA and did grad school. And then when she was done with grad school, like got a job in her, her field. Uh, and the, the phones came back to me and this was at like where I, where I was pretty large. I, I think I had 15 or 20 people and I was like, what? I can't believe I had to answer phones again. What? Um, and it was really the place where I realized, uh, you know, having a VA or an in-house person is nice, but there's really more to think about in, you know, what happens when that person's gone or leaves. And we see a lot of that in the Facebook group where people are like, oh my gosh, I'm like so busy and my, my phone person just, uh, just gave her notice and they freak out, you know, and it's because yeah. they have another person in place and they don't have the time because they're doing, you know, still seeing a lot of clients or doing a lot of business stuff. So it's something else to think about when st- structuring the administrative position is thinking about, is there a way for you to potentially have a backup, whether it's having two part-time people initially so that they can, um, not too much is you're not putting too much, uh, emphasis on one person. So if that one person leaves, it kind of shatters your administrative process. That's a great that. idea. Yes. That's a great idea. I'm just we're taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is so good. Yeah, that's a really good thing to think about. I like that too, like, and be able to train them at the same time so mm-hmm. that you know they're both getting the same information. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, that's really smart. I I think it, it's made a huge difference for us. And for, uh, you know, with the process we have now, we are we probably have 40 hours a week worth of, of um, administrative support that we're paying for that we don't actually need. Um, oh, wow because of the benefit of ensuring that um, there's always support when someone's on vacation or gone or leaving. Um, That doesn't mean that uh, there's 40 hours of work not being done. It means that we're kind of like really on top of things. So um, (laughs) more so than, you know, than most people probably because we have, we have the extra time administratively that we can say, Hey, this week, do you mind going through all the client files and just making sure that the credit card forms, um, that there aren't any ones expiring, you know, the things that kind of get put on the wayside. Um, oh, yeah. those are, you know, so I, I, I'm, I feel good about that because I know that we have little odds and ends that typically are, are not viewed as super important. So they get put on the wayside that we can always be on top of. And with the larger benefit of, I know that I'm fully covered administratively. If anything is to happen to, you know, any one of them, we're still going to be good. Yeah. Um, that's such a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any last questions before we, before we close out? No, I don't think so. No, you'll have to let me know uh, what you decide <laughs> on VA or in-house. If you do a full-time or a couple part-time people, um, I would, like I said, I, in the beginning, I would start with really writing down all of the administrative tasks that you do, even not, not just the ones that you want to get rid of, but just all of them and start to lump them into categories. Cause you might find that you're looking for a certain kind of person or a person with a certain set of skills more so than, you know, another set of skills. So uh, I, I found that that helped me out a lot, especially in the beginning when I was trying to look for someone and I had only a certain amount of money and I needed to make sure that I hired the real, like the perfect person is um yes is really having that whole list of 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 uh tasks that needs to be done it just makes it easier than when you put the job the 
the ad out there that, and you do the interviews that you know what skills they need to have beyond maybe that main one, which might be billing, right? Um, yes. <laughs> so maybe billing is your first one that you're going to give away. Um, but maybe within billing or in connection with billing, it's you want this person to be able to not only communicate with insurance companies and rectify net claims that aren't being paid out, but you also want to find someone who maybe actually calls clients and uh, uh, charges credit cards or, you know, so, you know, ha having a billing person um, who just is doing billing and kind of is a back end administrative where they're not client facing, they're kind of inputting data, they're calling insurance companies. They don't need to have some of the um, in-person skill or not in-person skills. They don't need to have some of the person-to-person um, -person communication skills that a receptionist needs to have, right? A receptionist needs to have the ability to be engaging to clients and, and make clients feel comfortable and welcome. But if you're maybe having this billing person call clients to uh, get updated credit card forms, you maybe want someone who has a little bit of that front desk personality too, you know, so that the client feels comfortable and doesn't feel like the person's abrasive or whatnot. So that's why I really like writing down all of the tasks that kind of fit into a category because you might find that your ad will change a little bit. Um, to yes, definitely. cover all of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And especially now because we're not, you know, not knowing when we're going to be right. going back into the office, like I would say now for us, at least it would be good to get more of the back end person yeah. going um, yeah. while, you know, because of the situation. Because the but, phones um, are a little bit slower right now. So maybe there's less of a need for that immediately. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, uh, I was just thinking as you're talking, there's, we, sh we should have a whole nother podcast on how do you train someone virtually, right? Oh, so that, someone... <laughs> <laughs> that was running through my mind this whole time. I'm going, how am I going to do that? Yeah. You know what? Maybe we can have a part two on this. Um, it, I'll, I'll send you an email since, since you're kind of going through this, there's no point in finding someone else to talk to this about. Um, but I do sure. think it's a really good topic is just how do you train someone when it's all virtual. Yes. That's a fun one. Okay. All right. I'll yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> You're going to have to train me on how to train them. <laughs> that's right. Well, we'll, we'll have a talk. Um, it was really nice talking to you and, and yeah, you too. Kind of getting to meet you virtually, maybe one day uh, when we're allowed one to day in person. have some coffee. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Right? Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for your help. <laughs> yeah. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Like what you heard? Give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening from. Need extra support? Join the Exchange, a membership community just for group practice owners with monthly office hours, live webinars, and a library of trainings ready for you to dive into. Visit www.members.thegrouppracticeexchange.com forward slash exchange. See you next week.